uh, it's me and Julian, or Julian and I. Hello. And we're joined by a very special guest. Not actually that special. It's just Felix. <laughs> Hello, everyone. So, Felix, do you want to introduce yourself? Yeah, uh, my name is Felix Monk, and it's not spelled that way, but don't Google me, guys. Don't do it. Um, and I have the privilege to play on the same team as Julian and travel with him and our other friend throughout Europe. Some people may know me on the source as Felix with a PH, mainly from the Lance threat and often also from the look at all my foily stuff and alpha duels brag threat on the source. Hey, you're that guy. No, I knew that. So, yeah, today we're going to have a few things to talk about. We're going to talk about ourselves, which is usually our favorite topic. We're going to talk about the post-Treasure Cruise meta, we're going to talk about some tournament results, and whatever we feel like. So, what have you been up to lately, Julian? Um, mostly just playing some Fs, uh, as you might know. But, <laughs> I mean... Everyone's, I, every, everyone's really surprised now. Uh, apparently. <laughs> no, I, I had a pretty good uh, January thus far, and even some of, of February, so... I'm pretty happy with Elves right now. Uh, I I didn't really feel super sure about it during the Treasure Cruise meta, and we will talk about that later, I guess. But yeah, like I'm super happy about playing Elves these days, and yeah, it's looking great. So, did you go to a tournament today or something? Several. Yeah, I went to a tournament in Munich today. Um, I did pretty well. I split the finals with uh, Blue White Red Gold Digger, which is the new new kind of control deck that doesn't really focus on miracles. It doesn't play any. But instead, it uses um, Dig Through Time and Snapcaster Mages. Did you split with Carson? No, no, no. Carson doesn't play at my place. Carson is, as far as I know, from Berlin. Oh, okay. I wanted to play against Carson at the previous, not the one before that, uh, Prague Channel. But he lost in the quarterfinals, so I couldn't play against him in the semifinals. So, hmm. <laughs> I've never played with Carson. Boo. Boo. <laughs> no, good job in splitting the finals, though. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, it, it, after all, it's Munich. And Munich has this kind of reputation of... Even though you've got some of, I can probably say, best legacy players of all of Europe between Munich and Nuremberg, the Munich legacy event is always kind of, eh. <laughs> like, people I, I, show up to have fun. Yeah, people show up and try to have fun. Like this one round, there was this guy playing the middle deck. And the middle deck apparently wasn't very good against I Murder You on turn 3. So... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but he had fun. He had lots of fun. He had, he had his hair dyed blue, and everybody liked that, and yeah. <laughs> the, the fun is just not in the cards for some people. It's just more about the community, and that's where you capitalize on. <laughs> Shh, don't give away the secrets. <laughs> but it's good when people bring that to large events, like the bear suit guy was amazing at GP in New Jersey. Uh, and he even, he even played the all bear despair stack, right? Yeah, yeah. I don't know if you heard of him, uh, Matt. There was a guy. No, I no, I heard this story. Somebody that. paid forty or fifty dollars to show up in a bear suit and play like Grizzly Bears dot deck. Yeah, he was, but he was really a great guy, funny guy. I like that stuff. I also like to face them round one and or whatever the first round that I'm playing and get a buy. <laughs> That's also good. Somebody wanted to pay me a lot, of, not a lot of money, but some money to actually play as a giant Pikachu at Star City Games Richmond. But we didn't really make it come together, but I think I would have been up for it, especially since I had the camera feature match. That would have been awesome. <laughs> so how much money would it have taken for you to don a Pikachu costume? And play um, um, oh, oh. Like, how much money I would require for that, or how much yes. money? Um, I mean, if you pay for the costume, that's it. 
That's it? <laughs> yeah. Julian will never yeah. be playing in plain clothes again. <laughs> yeah, that's done. Done deal. Also, I wonder if it, with the new um, the new rules for the um, for for streaming that Wizards put out that we it's you're not allowed to advertise for non Wizards games during streams. I wonder what happens if you're dressed up as Pikachu while you're playing. <laughs> you're not technically advertising, but is it like yeah. promoting? You're promoting, yeah, promoting. Yeah, yeah. Is the word. Well, I, th I think it's not new rules, but somebody on Twitter actually dug this up in the terms of whatever, and at some point it says, "Yeah, we promote streaming. Okay. We want everybody to stream, but we do not want people to play other game comp competing games while streaming Magic Online." So. I think that's... No Hearthstone, basically, right? Yeah, that, yeah, that well, was for the stream event that I took part in, but they actually sent out something that told you, okay, don't play other games during the stream. But there's also something in the general terms of service of Magic Online that says you shouldn't do that. And I guess nobody cares because what's a competing game? Honestly. I think we, yeah, and what I told Julian was that we should ask them for an exhaustive list of, of competing <laughs> games, which would be really cute. No poker. Yeah, well, no solitaire. This way we'd be no, well. This way, I mean, how can they punish us if they can't tell us an exhaustive list, right? So they should be able to tell us every game. Otherwise, every it's very game. crappy game from like the chess in between. It seems to be built on the same technology as Magic Online. Is it competing? Yeah, it's built on paper. Nothing truly competes with that pile of garbage. That is Magic yeah. Online. Matt, are you gonna, ever gonna get into Magic Online? Like you're the only one here right now who doesn't play Magic Online. No, I just I I like free internet things. Like I'll play on Cockatrice, no problem. Now the level of competition, let's not even discuss how different it is. But I prefer the if I can play Magic and I can play with my nice expensive cards and I can, you know, touch them and shuffle. That that's what I really want. Doing it online does doesn't really do anything for me. Yeah, that's like cybersex. You're only doing it to get better in, in the real game. That's the only reason we play Magic Online. That's yeah, fair. I like it because of, of the competitive element, which, as you just said, is not there in Cockatrice. Um, and it sort of also lets me pick up on all the changes way better, because if I just read deck lists from events, it's harder to remember. But when I actually play against decks with new changes new cards, uh, it's a lot easier for me to remember that, oh yeah, right, in these situations, these are the correct plays, and now that they have X more basics or whatever's going on, um, I should be playing in a certain way. So, I mean, and it's, that's it's totally a teaching fair. tool for me. I have uh, I have a group of people that I do test with on Cockatrice that aren't total garbage, so, like, facing randoms on Cockatrice is, well, it's the dirt. Um, but if you have, like, a testing partner who is, say, good with a certain deck, and you can just sit there for a couple hours and drink whiskey and play on cockatrice it's it 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 works out i think in a similar manner but i prefer sitting down with a group of friends and just like hey we're just gonna sit here with this matchup shardless bug versus like nick fit and we're just gonna play this for four hours how does that sound yeah well that's good the, i mean this <laughs> this intense test, testing session is good um are good but some of the things that come up there is that you're also playing against one person with one person's ideas and one person's lines, and even though they might be more or less correct, it gives you like a limited view of things, and it's it's always healthy to get a bunch of opponents in. Of and course, I, you you have a huge sampling bias, yeah. like with one person or two people doing. Yeah. Also, to be honest, um, ever since a lot of people actually started playing Magic Online, and I feel like the real life testing, at least in Legacy, 
kind of vanished. Like, we really used to play a lot offline Legacy before big tournaments, but these days, hardly anyone is available because everybody's like, yeah, we play online, we'll figure it out. And, yeah, I still like playing with three cards, as Matt mentioned. Like, what you can also do during a real testing session, I know the Channel Fireball team does it, and probably all the other teams do it as well, uh, that you just sometimes put certain cards into your starting hand after sideboarding, so you can really see, okay, which impact does this card have on the game? And you don't have to play like 20, 30, 40 games and it shows up in your starting hand only a couple of times. Sometimes you, you construct a situation and then you just see how good certain cards do. Yeah, I've, I've definitely done that to test uh, sideboard cards. Because, like you said, with the, with, the, with the shuffling and the variance, you might not even see a card. But it's like, does that mean the card is bad? Well, no, not necessarily, right? Uh, that's what I said about Edric and Elves. Uh, people always ask me about, um, how do you think Edric is in Elves? And I was like, okay, but I tried him for a couple of weeks. I never drew him, and I never got him to play. So obviously he's bad. And of course, that's just stupid, but uh, yeah. <laughs> no, it's fair, though. So, Felix, I mean, we know that, like, Julian is primarily an Elf player, and I'll play anything that's mid-range, like Siege Rhino or, you know. We don't really know exactly what you're on, or some of the viewers actually don't know. Okay, um, shout out David Holker for your Siege Rhino. Um, aside from that, I play uh, lands quite a lot, as much as I can. Um, but when uh, when when lands are not a good idea to play, I will play something else. So I'm not married to it, but I um, I definitely prefer to play lands as much as I can. And, and by uh, something else, you mean death and taxes? That's not correct. At um, <laughs> at at, G at GP Strasbourg, I played Miracles. I played. I was ten ten three three through the GP with Miracles. So every now and then, I do play something else. Now for forty three lands, uh, which build are you currently on? Oh, yeah. it's hard to say. Um, a, a while back, um, or two weeks ago, I played at an event in Flensburg in Germany, and that's my latest. Um, my Iteration. latest build, yeah, whatever you want to call it. Um, and seeing as we are also easing into the post-Treasure Cruise discussion... Um, the That's exactly... The, that was the segue that I was hoping for. Is <laughs> Yeah, exactly. That meant that I um, I cut my number of Punishing, fi punishing Fires, um, and I was actually going to play only one... Um, sorry, only one Engineered Explosives and only two Punishing Fire... But as we walked around um, the the room, the changes that we expected to see didn't come through. Um, the tournament in, uh, that we went to there in Germany was a tournament um, that's, that there uh, was 69 players, and I went there with Mark, also known as Spada, the streamer, Mike Koenig, not Koenig, by the way, if anyone still thinks so. Um, and we, we went there and had certain expectations of the new Mesa game. I expected a lot more Miracles because they are <laughs> like the default deck if you want to play something good. Um, and I expected to see more combo coming back. Um, and if I can make a prediction, you basically saw people just not running Treasure Cruise but the same decks. Not exactly. I saw no. people playing all their silly pet decks or good pet decks. Um, so they just weren't changing. Um, there was one guy playing um, playing a like uh, a rock deck, old school rock deck. There was a guy playing um, 
bug with like 20, 2010 bug basically um, there were two Miracles players in the 69 so that was um, that was very different from what I expected I, I expected 8 10 Miracles decks something like that considering that Miracles I think is poised to be the best deck in the format because it is extremely powerful it got dig through time the decks that had treasure crews that could try to keep up now lost treasure crews, you would think that they would, you know, you'd see a lot of people playing this deck. Nope. Yeah, exactly, and I was very surprised. I would have played uh, two Abrupt Decay in my main deck in lands, which sounds really silly, but the point of that is that it frees up some sideboard slots that I needed. So that's what I would have played. Two Abrupt Decay in the sideboard, one Abrupt Decay in the... In, in, uh, two Abrupt Decay in the main deck, one in the sideboard to battle Miracles, along with Thrun the Last Troll, Oof. Yeah. Love, love me some Thrun. Yeah. And I also, of course, play both Worm Harvest and um, Smokestack in the main deck. And I was actually playing two Smokestacks in the main deck. Whoa. Whoa, that's too many win conditions for lands. <laughs> will, like, they're not just... one Smokestack, one Man Land, that's it. Mm, zero Man Lands. Zero... Oh, okay. One Smokestack, then. That's, that's your win condition. Yeah, well... It's, I'm uh, just kidding. I'm making yeah. fun of a friend who only plays Smokestack as their win condition. That's great. I guess Academy Runes is the only win condition you'll ever need. Yeah. <laughs> but Smokestack is, is, of course, the the good the good card here, and it shines against Buck because they have no way to kill it. And it's really good against Miracles um, because it yeah messes their whole game plan up, and they cannot win if they don't have a lot of lands. It kills a lot of their basics that we have to work harder to kill. Um so it does everything good. It's like a planeswalker that doesn't die to damage. So that's <laughs> well. It's basically what it is, and it's it yeah. It gets rid of Jace, right? Sorry. It gets rid of Jace, so you don't have to use the attack step. Like yeah, I found that forty-three lines. Like your biggest problem is like if you don't have a punishing fires for Jace, it can get out of hand. But if you just slam and ramp smokestack, and we're down to two punishing fires in this build. So that's what I expected. Um, those were the, some of the big changes that I made. Um, but then walking around the room, I changed things up, and I played one Abrupt Decay in the sideboard, one in the main deck. Um, so so things changed a little bit. Um, and I added Ensnaring Bridge to the main deck, which is a post-Treasure Cruise uh, move as well, expecting a lot more creatures to come up. Um, yeah, and by more creatures, I mean like clunky creatures that you pay mana for that are not free when you play cantrips. Uh, Tarmogoyf is pretty bad against 12 tokens um, so yeah so that, those, that was some of the changes but um, yeah to sort of double back and to say that I play a lot of lands and I've played lands at a bunch of uh, international events and usually when I play lands I do well and when I play other stuff uh, it, it goes sometimes goes well for me um, and every time I decide to play elves I fail miserably so um, <laughs> the even more impressive to uh, to hear of Julian's results. I've played elves twice at international events, both bazaars of Moxon, and I've failed horribly both times. One time I even lost to um, to Mark uh, when he was playing Death in Texas. So say no more. But are you in love with the deck? Because you have to really love elves for it to do well. No, if if it did well for me, I probably would love it. But well, I that's did. the wrong approach. <laughs> <laughs> I've played elves. I've played three um, Berserk Marks and Trials with elves, and my worst result 
was second. So I have done like decent with it, but not uh, not when it really mattered. So I've played I played lands at um, let me count them out one two three four f at five events at five international events and my worst result was missing money in at uh, Star City Games Richmond on tiebreakers. Oof. Um, but you beat Bri uh, Brian Brown do it, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I killed that guy. You crushed his dreams, man. I, I uh, it was. He will have, always have nightmares of this. It, it was pretty silly. Danish I guy. killed him in in, in uh, killed him in two games by in both cases producing a twenty twenty married large into two or three white mana while he was playing sports <laughs> in his main deck. And you got away with it. And then I killed him. Yeah. <laughs> uh, once because see, that's I, the power of black bordered lands as well, right? Like. <laughs> your gets intimidated and they're just like well I can't beat this <laughs> yeah I don't know if I cast but, swords he will surely just fling it at me <laughs> yeah but yeah once because I had no choice I would have died if I didn't do it and the other time because I could recur it and it would be an ongoing thing so yeah that's how uh, how I killed him yeah I'm, well, so yeah I've, I've played it I have six times in the international events and aside from missing money on tiebreakers there in Richmond I've done very good um yeah, with the mo yeah the best result was probably top sixteen at GP Ghent where I punted for top eight, which was great. Um, yeah, and then I played it. The last two events I've played was um, a side of the Super Sunday series at, in no wait New Jersey. Yeah, I played New Jersey the Super Sunday series in New Jersey with four hundred and fifty people, and I set was seven two one there for twenty second I think, and then in Richmond I I missed the money on tiebreakers and then I played it in Germany. The other weekend and finished lost my semi-final there by going undefeated so what what felix only touched upon uh, by now is that he is probably playing the most pimp land stack in the entire universe so maybe maybe there's something else i know that sergey from russia he's also pretty pimp but you are actually into asian pimp and a fun story so while we were in the u.s lots of people just came to felix and they gave him some some uh, I think there were Korean foils or, or Japanese foils that he had ordered. And yeah, <laughs> I think it was in Richmond where you actually had your Japanese confidence, foil Japanese dark confidence shipped to our hotel. Is yeah. that correct? Yeah, those were some <laughs> of the last things I needed. Uh, and also the Sith was very, very nice in allowing me to ship one of them to his house. And he brought it to me in person. Oh, he wanted to bring it to me in person, but it didn't get there in time. So he had it. I don't know. I can, at least he, it got there to us in time if he reshipped it to one of our hotels. But yeah, I play a very, very pimped out uh, version of Lens. And I, I think it's the most pimped out. I haven't seen any that's close. Everything um, that can be alpha is almost alpha. I, I must confess, I currently play two beta duels when I play the seven um, yeah, and everything that can be Japanese foil is Japanese foil. That's pretty <laughs> impressive. Yeah, uh, yeah, and then of course I have a bunch of extras because I play uh, slightly different builds. But I, I definitely, I always play the control version of Lands, um, not the red green one that's been popular on the Star City Game Circuit. Uh, oh, I think I don't like the red green one to be honest. It's 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 a very cute mirror uh, matchup when when I play control Lands and face the red green one where they have to try to win by attacking with a creature which is pretty difficult in the matchup so so it's a good it's a good deck um and i can also i'm a 
I, I, yeah, I also sometimes talk about how people feel that Lens is a slow deck, and that's just silly. The first two GPs, um, yeah, when I played in, in, in Ghent, playing 16 rounds, I had two buys. Oh, two draws, sorry. Two draws in 16 rounds. And that was before we could make a Marit Large token, so... Yeah. It's, if, yeah. You play, if you play fast enough, you don't get those buys. But so... Let's double back and talk about that weekend or in that tournament that I um, top for it. You dubbed it the Team Eurosrock weekend. Yeah, <laughs> I like exactly. That. I dubbed it Team Euroswag weekend because uh, Team Euroswag just beat Europe, basically. Um, I, w I went um, to Germany from... We live in Denmark, Mark and I, and we went with a friend of ours. Um, we drove there and by round... What must that have been? By round seven, when the when the initial rounds were over, we were um, a combined fifteen oh six. So so that's pretty good. All of us undefeated. All of us locked for top eight. Um, that's pretty good. Yeah, that's pretty good. Um, <laughs> and um, and uh, yeah, I lost in the semis, and then I quickly rigged the finals so that the winner would get the second most expensive card and the winner would the second place guy uh, the, 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 the winner would get the second most expensive and the second place finisher would get the most expensive one prompting uh, Mark's finals opponent to quickly concede uh, which was great so that we could drive home so Mark won, he won the event and I took forward and our buddy also made top 8 but lost his first match and while we played that event Mark was obviously on death in Texas and I was obviously on Lance um just goes to show you, like, knowing your deck is more important than a lot of other factors. It also means that whenever everyone else are are playing mid-range decks, Death and Taxes and Lands will just destroy stuff. I mean, they're, they're perfect choices for, for a metagame where everyone is trying to play fair. And by <laughs> fair, I also mean very often try to play uh, zero basic lands. Yeah, I find that to be a huge problem. People are uh, people don't know the power of the basic land. That's yeah. why I bring them the knowledge of veteran explorer. <laughs> I bring them the true gospel of Korean veteran explorer yeah. and uh, recurring siege rhinos. That's... <laughs> recurring siege rhinos. Are you playing Warrod Stronghold or recurring nightmare? No, I'm playing nightmare. recurring nightmare and Warrod oh, Stronghold. Oh, shoutouts to you! <laughs> I always love that when I face yeah when I face that um, when I play lands and I face uh, Nick Fidai, I always like it. I I really enjoy those matches. It's a fun matchup. Like, uh, the other day I was playing against Red-Green Combo Lands, and uh, he had kind of like a slower hand, and I uh, I accelerated way ahead and then just started... Uh, he locked me out with a Glacial Chasm? So I'm like, oh, well, this is awkward. So I'm like, well, Phyrexian Tower, one of my Siege Rhinos. <laughs> you lose Play life. a Siege Rhino, and I'll start the Recurring Nightmare Chain. <laughs> and And that was over. But it's very... The dynamic there is very interesting, because neither deck is trying to win quickly, and... Uh, and they they're trying to disrupt each other in slow way in grindy ways. And I yeah, like, like I he like had a stuff. dark depth that he was like grinding tokens off of, and I'm like, oh, this is this is going to be interesting. Yeah, when it's easy, it's no fun. It has to be like the more complicated stuff gets, the more I enjoy them. I was playing um, in Flensburg. I was playing against uh, Stefan Muller, I think his name is. Uh, nice German guy. Um, who plays quite well also the, the one of the most generic German names one could have go on yeah his name is definitely yeah 
Yeah, it's his last name is Miller in English. Uh, he, I was playing against him, and he was on Miracles, and he, it was game one, and he basically had control, and I ended up ghost quartering my Tabernacle, so that I would have four mana, three of, uh, three green, so that I could top deck a colorless source and then continue every turn to dredge, with my life in the loom being countered into Worm Harvest. To defeat his board of counterbalance, Sensei's Divining Top, and Jace, and six oh. or seven lands. Jeez. So, yeah, so I won that game. When you gotta go deep. Yeah, yeah, but <laughs> it's it's a line where he was all, he, he he was sure he would win it already there. And then I ended up destroying two Jaces and having a situation where I had 24 worm tokens and snaring braids, and he had 11 angels in play. <laughs> Interesting. Then I resolved Smokestack. Angels versus Worms, new theme deck. Yeah. <laughs> versus Smokestack. But, way, yeah, yeah, but from a board position that that really look lost, uh, the land stack can come back if you if you give yourself the correct outs there, where most decks cannot. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. So while we were playing this event, um, I don't, you, Julian, you can talk about your own event. But during the at this on the same day, there was uh, the Legacy Open in Vienna. Which this is a tournament that, um, as far as I know, is also being hosted, right, by Philip Schoenegger? Is he part? I think exactly. he's he's running the entire tournament series, and it's also a qualifier for the yearly uh, Legacy uh, Austrian Legacy Championships. And um, Thomas was there. He lives in the Czech Republic, and they are neighboring countries. And if yeah, of course everyone knows who Philip Schoenegger is. He's the guy who tabated the two last Legacy Grand Prix. The tall uh, monk-like... Uh... Yeah, he's the warrior monk. He is also Einherja on uh, the source. Um, he's hosting this event, and Tomasz Vlacek, um, who is also and who is also on our team, uh, he won it. And they are also the Miracle Bros, because they obviously both play Miracles, and they played the same 75 for um, Star City Games Richmond and GP New Jersey. And they've been working on it together. Um, events that both of them, yeah, they tabated one one each. Yeah, so Thomas won that one in 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 Vienna, and uh, Mark won the one in Flensburg, and Julian uh, played one in Nuremberg. And you can tell us about the Nuremberg one. Yeah, it was the very same day as uh, the other guys played in those tournaments. And I was pretty happy that Nuremberg is um, supporting Legacy much more than used to do all over 2014. Because apparently now we have like almost every weekend um, at either Nuremberg, Ingolstadt or Munich a Legacy tournament. So yeah, Nuremberg, uh, about 47 people showed up. So it was, a, I guess... I have to call it a rather big event by now. Uh, like in, in a couple of years ago, we had like 60 people each week, but 74 is uh, 47 is still cool. So, of course, I was playing elves and I was pretty happy about it because it was the first tournament post Treasure Cruise. And before Treasure Cruise, I was already doing pretty well with elves. During Treasure Cruise area, man, not too much. So I come back. And I just take down a tournament, and that was just a great feeling, because the tournament went so smooth, like, I, I won all of my rounds 2-0, I only had a single loss in round 4, where I lost 1-2 to Bugdiver, and yeah, overall, it, I felt almost invincible, like, even against Belcher, for example, I just 2-0'd Belcher, it was kind of funny, because I knew he was in Belcher, he knew I was in Elves, so I tell him, okay, 
because he was rather young and inexperienced. So I tell him, okay, if you make goblins, if you go for goblins, trust me, you want to make 12. You don't want to make 10 goblins. He's like, okay. Then he makes 10 goblins on the first turn. And then I'm like, son, what did I tell you? So I went on the third turn on one life because if he makes 10 goblins, you only have to block once with a uh, Nettle Sentinel to survive until the third turn. So, yeah, that was kind of fun. Um, I, yeah, won that tournament. And after we talked about it, like, we kept each other updated via, via Twitter and, and Facebook. Um, what now you're doing. best friends, right? Um, I don't know. He, he, I mean, I always laugh at when people are uh, genuinely positive. Like, he didn't care whether he won or lost. He just wanted to play and have fun. And he was so excited. He ended up, I think, four, four threeing or something. I don't remember. But, like, he was only slightly positive, and to most people who play, the, uh, the, who play Legacy competitively, that was ju would just be, like, disappointing. But he was new, and, and he was so excited to, to be positive in the end. So, I don't know. I felt happy for him as well, <laughs> even though I destroyed him. Sorry, continue. Yeah, um, yeah, that was that tournament, and as he mentioned, I had also, like, while we were about bragging, I had also won the, the Ingolstadt Legacy tournament, like, two weeks before, and... Uh, didn't win the last Nuremberg Legacy Tournament, which was last weekend. I only placed third or something. I don't remember. Yeah, but I got a great story. Like, so, okay, I was playing against this guy on Infect, and he was super nervous. Like, some people sometimes are super nervous, and he was especially nervous. I, I don't know if it was, like, some nervous tick or something, but... So, he plays his land for the first turn, and I think he plays Glistener Elf or something. He was on Infect. Uh, I play my dude and pass. Um, and something happens. So, at some point... Uh, he's got a fetch land and I've got a prop decay mana but I can't really a prop decay because then he could fetch and cast Minds of Fastwood to counter the prop decay but I still want to prop decay on my turn because that way he doesn't get to, to get, uh, get the bonus of Minds of Fastwood but I can't really afford it so I'm like okay I hope he cracks his fetch land at my end of turn so I can respond in a prop decay and that's exactly what happens he cracks his fetch land which is only his second land because he didn't have any more lands on the end of my turn I respond by cracking my own fetch land and casting a prop decay on his glistener elf. And that confuses him so much that he's like, oh, okay, okay, ah, shit. So he shuffles his deck, presents it to me, I cut it, then he draws, and then he's like, I have only one land. I just had two lands. What happened? <laughs> then he realized that he was so nervous and confused that he actually forget to find a land on his fetch land. There's not a whole lot to continue on. Like, right now, especially since the Treasure Cruise spam, I feel like elves is back to where it belongs, and that's the very top of the meta game, along with Miracles and maybe a couple of more decks. And that just feels so rejuvenating. It's like you come out of this dark place where you try to find a way, but it's really hard to find a way, and everybody adjusts to that evil deck, and he, the people they adjust in a way that's even worse for you as an Elves player. And I mean, you even saw Ross Merriam move away from Elves, and I also kind of moved away from Elves at some point where I was playing the Monkey Island deck that Daryl Ayers developed. And I guess you can't really say developed, he just exchanged Nimble Mongoose for Curd Apes. By the way, Daryl is doing really well at the Pro Tour right now. He might top 8, so go, 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 Daryl. I hope you make it. So, yeah, if you like Elves, if you like doing unfair things by still having a great late game, go ahead and just play Elves because it's the most amazing deck Legacy has ever seen. However. <laughs> However, yes. How did your sideboard change from two weeks ago till now? How did my sideboard change? Um, or three weeks ago. And I agree oh. with Felix. Just slow it down. Just well, the, the main thing about what changed is that I don't think that choke is necessary anymore. Like it's still good, but in the Treasure Cruise meta, where everybody was busy casting as many spells as fast as he could, 
Chalk was amazing. Like, all the blue and red decks, they have no auto and enchantment. So once you get down Chalk, you just had to deal with what was there, and that was it. But right now, you can play, like, more proactive cards. Even against Miracles, Choke is okay, you would bring it in, but it's not amazing. Instead, I'd, I'd rather have something like, like Needle or Crozen Grip or Servant Library. So, yeah, I, I get rid of the Chokes. I cut some of the of the combo hate, because that's what everybody was doing to fight all the Blue-Red Diver decks that were playing combo decks, because they always yeah. had a good matchup. So, I cut down on some of the discard and surgical extractions, but not a whole lot. Like, it depends on the meta. Today in Munich, I was playing six discard spells. I used to run only five for the Nuremberg events, but that's just a very small difference. But overall, I would say, um, yeah, you don't really need Choke anymore. It's not a card you, you were super excited about to begin with. So you can play more more Miracle Sate again, like real Miracle Sate. And that's what I like. K- uh, killing a Senses Dividing Top with Crows and Grip. Oh my god, I- I'm sure you have done that as well, Matt. Oh, it, baby. It's the greatest feeling. <laughs> So actually, better feeling is going cross uh, and grip on top, and they go, uh, and then subsequently in the same turn, end of turn, abrupt decaying the counterbalance, <laughs> and then casting Gaddic Teague. That is the true, the true sweetness that you. And then they draw the Mercus spell from the top, because and then they, can't they cast couldn't adjust. Yeah, have, yeah they couldn't. The, they couldn't adjust it because they didn't have oh. top. <laughs> that 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 that's actually the feel goods. That's oof. was there. That's all I want to do. Julian, at the event that you played, did you feel like the decks that were there, they are representing, did they represent a change or an expected change? Or how was it different from um, the Treasure Cruise meta to the post-Treasure Cruise meta mm, at your event? Mm, uh, depends. Like, I feel, especially for the, for the combo decks, a lot of people are just carrying over the combo deck from the old meta because either they got the hang of it or that's just what they did and they did well, so they wanted to play more. I don't know. Um, but were there more? As What I would have expected was more miracles and more combo. Was that what happened? It was more combo than there used to be, at least at the stores I played at. But, and less miracles, that's actually true. But I wouldn't give too much to that because I feel like at least some of the miracles player I know they want to try something fresh, something new. Like, you might know Johannes Gutbrot, he also top eight at the last Bazaar of Moxen. He was playing, I think he was playing either Canadian Treasure, I think he was playing Canadian Treasure, just because he felt like. But the big deck that came back, that we didn't really see, was Bugdelver. And Well, Bugdelver yeah. and Charles Bug have really come in, yeah. come back. Like, yeah, in, in the, at the event that Mark and I played, uh, there was also quite a lot of Bug, and I was just so glad to see it. I think people were like, oh man, I spent like $40, $50 on these Charlotte agents, and they've just been sitting in my box for six months. I really feel like I have to play these. Yeah, and you, you get to break with all your duels that you spent all that money on that doubled in price in, during that period of time. I guess. Uh, I mean, and I wouldn't play bug like Charlotte's bug of my life depended on it. If you're like, Matt, you have to play this deck, I'd be like, nah, I'm good. Oh, I, I, oh I'm just really happy to see it because it's one of the best matchups for Lance. <laughs> yeah, I'm actually quite excited to see this matchup again because Siege Rhino is still bigger than all their guys. <laughs> yeah, they can only kill little things. Which so I don't Siege own Rhino. any of. Veteran Explorer? Please. Is the Hyperion? Is it the next thing in Legacy? I doubt it. <laughs> what, Siege Rhino? Yeah. Okay, so I mean, I can tell how I've kind of changed my deck. Like, before, Siege Rhino in the Treasure Cruise meta 
I I don't think I I think I basically four would like every local we had, which our locals are small. Don't get me wrong, but I didn't lose. It was great. I I loved playing in the Treasure Cruise meta because the Blue Red Delver deck was like Siege Rhino. Oh, that's really awkward, and they just couldn't do anything. And then you would just play more and more, and then you would Green Sun for another one and another one, and it was great. However, in the new meta, Delver still a very good matchup. But you have if Miracles does come back, the junk version of Nick Fit is not quite as good. We've been having arguments, arguments, discussions on the source about, like, oh, why don't you play the Jund version of the deck? Because you get Punishing Fires and Red Elemental Blast and Slaughter Games. and It's like, well, because you get Sigarda. And Sigarda is also really good in this metagame because nobody can remove it, including Miracles. They have to have a Terminus. And then you can just Green Sun for it again. Yeah, Sigarda is so, a nice card. Um, Sigarda is a real good card, and Veteran Explorer is still extremely powerful because no one... No one's playing basic lands again. Everybody's on three-color Delver, and yeah, we love I'm stuff. okay with that. Carpital uh, Flowers is extremely powerful. Sorry, Felix. Yeah, sorry. Um, a related question that I would like to ask you guys is... Um, it's actually two questions. Is How long do you think it takes for um, tournament Mesa games to adapt to these changes? I mean, not that like the, a new best deck is going to get there, but... The, I think that the changes that we have been expecting will come exactly as we have been expecting them, despite that being a bit arrogant. I think that we've been able to predict it correctly. I just think that it's taken some time, and how long do you think that will be until you know meta games change? Uh, that's my first question, and the second one that's I'm gonna ask while I can still remember it is: Julian and I talked about this briefly. Um, when changes are implemented, like the banning of treasure crews, crews. Um, it does not take effect on Magic Online immediately, not oh, even yeah. on the si- not even on the same date. So, yeah. so pra- testing for events uh, on Magic Online are, is out. You can't test for your paper events up until uh, around the the dip banning dates. Um, should we petition um, Wizards to fix this, or is that fine? Does that make sense in some way? Is that a, yeah. like a last a, a, the last goodbye, or what do you guys I think? I think I can try to answer both kind of maybe yeah. succinctly. So the first one is how long should it take? Well, reasonably as soon as like I uh, as soon as I heard about the banning, I was already building lists in expectation of what the meta was going to change to the same day. I was like, well, people have to change. As it turns out, people don't change. People are like, oh, Treasure Cruise is banned. Oh, what am I going to play? And then they seem to take at least a month to kind of till it starts to really settle in, and I assumed it would have been faster, because maybe because I enjoy Legacy so much I get right on it. Most people seem to take a little while to try to maybe figure out what they want to be doing in the new metagame, so where will it be? I think it'll take a month to six weeks to actually kind of, to fully be Legacy to be back in the groove, because I think we're still in transition right now with people who are kind of still like with one foot in the past and one foot in the present. That's my opinion. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, Julian? Yeah, I think... Um... It depends a lot on what people really see. Like, I know that the people I know who really care about Legacy, as Matt mentioned, we were immediately back to the drawing board and be like, okay, what can we play in this new old meta and what actually changed? But a lot of other people, they, they maybe they even only played like three or four tournaments in the entire Treasure Cruise era, whereas other people played like 10 to 20 tournaments. So the less you play, the less you care about how your deck looks like um, in the short run. Like if you keep losing with it, like over 10 tournaments, you will change. But if that 10 tournaments is like an entire year, it takes longer. But I feel like 
once people see certain decks that weren't really played a lot do well at the Star City Games Open and all the European tournaments, they will be like, oh, we can play that? Oh, okay, so maybe we will switch. So I think it, it takes a couple of tournaments where, where some suddenly decks that are viable again do well for people to adjust. So, yeah, I, I agree with Matt. It's, it's like, I think, what did you mention? Like a couple Four of to weeks? Six weeks. Four or six weeks, yeah, one to two months. I think that's reasonable. And, yeah, uh, I think the argument. On, yeah. I think your argument is really good that there needs to be other events posted, on other decks talked about that have done well, to then have this change happen. Like it has to come that way around. What goes around comes around. Yeah, well, that, that you know, it doesn't change because people know things change. They have to see that it has changed for them to change along with it. That's the mechanic I was talking about. Yeah, I agree. So I think going back to your second question of should there be a time period in which, even though the banning has happened before the kind of change comes into place, I think so. So my thoughts on this are, say you announce on the Monday, like with Treasure Cruise, and I think it was by Thursday, Thursday was the last day you could use it. I think personally, like if you're interested in testing for the new metagame coming up, in a way I would almost feel like you want more time for people to either A, get last use out of their card, or B, give time to prep for the upcoming thing. So I would have almost preferred two weeks. Oh, like no. Two, f- two weeks for the Magic Online. That was so awful. It was There was no point in playing it out. Sorry oh, oh. for interrupting you. No, no, Ma- before it was legal in paper as well. I'm saying there's a two-week period for both. Because you yeah. could argue that, like, you could use that time to test for... Because if you're playing with friends, you can test new decks. But I think online may be giving people an option as well to, like, play in the old versus new metagame. Is that that's, possible? That's completely useless. Like, every tournament that happens from the banning until the banning becomes effective, it's completely nullified, it doesn't matter, and it's just like... To to, um, to speak from my experience, the banning was on January 19th. Treasure Cruise was legal another nine days in Legacy, and those were nine days of playing on Magic Online, where I sometimes even just quit a match, because I felt like, okay, what am I doing? I'm just fucking wasting my time, and I hate this. Well, but that, it depends on the point of view that you're looking at, right? Like, so if you were a very big proponent of Treasure Cruise, it is a last hurrah for you to be able to play that deck in yeah, but the what's the point? You like, you're a, yeah, that's about enjoyment, but I think we're all competitive players, and we've got better things to do than playing a metagame that's completely obsolete. Sure, and, but not everyone's no, a competitive player like you are. But it does not only affect the person playing Treasure Cruise, it affects the entire meta and everyone else and all their decks that they are playing and all the time that they are spending. So yeah, it's the last hooray for you, but for everyone else, it's like them having to bear with you getting that last last hooray. Yeah, and I I mean there is there has to be a balance. I mean otherwise you could argue why don't you just have it's banned and from this minute on you can't use it. Well, well it's the well, same as releases. Yeah, in but my opinion, on the other hand, you could argue that we have spoilers, so so we can adjust to releases. I, I don't care how long it is. I don't care if they announce it six months ahead of time or. <laughs> a week ahead of time. I think a couple of days is fine so that you can get the correct cards with you to the, whatever tournament you're playing. But what I think is very important is that the change is implemented online and real life at the same time. Oh, yeah. Oh, so hold on. I think I misunderstood. So are you saying that the online was not the same timeline? No, as... it was a week later. Really? Yeah. 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 So oh, that, that was the whole point of my original question. Yeah. And it was also quite interesting because while I was watching the Pro Tour coverage this weekend, um, a lot of pros were actually speaking about this and how much like they weren't speaking it out directly but you could clearly tell that they were absolutely annoyed because there's this pro tour and it's like i think we only have counting the world championship no the world championship isn't a pro tour anymore anyways you get like four pro tours a year and it's such an important tournament and for like nine days or even ten days 
you just can't test on Magic Online unless you're playing like private games or whatever. But you, there's no point in playing daily events because there's still so many people playing Birthing Pot or whatever. So it doesn't matter. So yeah, it, it's it's an actual problem. I, I think banning something like it was like two or three weeks before the Pro Tour. Okay, that's fine. Check things up. That's a different discussion. But not implementing the change, even though you're already on a rather short notice for the Pro Tour, that hurts teams a lot. And maybe not even teams, because the teams, they, they actually gather in, in houses and play. But for, for the lone wolf type of guy who, who plays in Magic Online all the time, uh, you can't do that anymore. Or for the Euros so. guy who is on a team of players who's scattered throughout Europe or whatever. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to kind of give an exact time. Like, like, do you think a week, five days, three days? Like, what? Um, I think a week is fine. A week, two weeks, something like that. That's fine. Yeah, so, and as long as they're implemented at the same time. Exactly. Yeah. Actually, I think it's quite good that there is a while. I would actually think that two weeks is the minimum because there's a new, there's a whole phase of testing, and you can put work in and get a reward for it. Otherwise, during the the time that no changes happen or no new sets are coming out, there's um, a lot less changes going on in, in the meta game. But when these change, changes happen, when there is a banning, you can actually put in work, test, develop stuff, and get rewarded for it. And uh, those periods of times are uh, very interesting and, and, and healthy, I think, for, for the format. So I, I would say maybe three weeks would be good. So you have whoa, time whoa, to whoa. test stuff. Yeah, okay. so you know, th three weeks ahead of time that changes are happening. But I honestly, be any legacy tournament you go to during th these three weeks, th I have zero, like, I don't know, why would I go there? I mean, I was pretty happy because it was only like, I think, six days in paper where it was announced on like... I think it's five days in paper. Yeah, depending on where you live, I guess. <laughs> um, but I, I think it was Monday for all of us. And then I played a legacy tournament on Saturday, and that felt great because we, we could play the new meta game. And if that tournament had been old legacy... I mean, I, I have, would have seen zero reason to go there. And mm. that kind of invalidates all those tournaments. And that's sad for the people who organize those tournaments and sad for the people who really want to play there and take time out of the schedule to actually make it there. So can we, can we meet in the middle and say two weeks? Wow, two weeks is still feels harsh because that's two weeks of, of well, not playing also, legacy at all. Well, not necessarily. It also means that it's two weeks where you can say, okay, changes are happening. Team, we get, need to get together. We need to find time to... To but that and develop for this that hardly ever happens. Like the thing is, I feel like I feel like this. It's basically like you're throwing. If you say like it's banned today and tomorrow is the new meta game, you're throwing people like you're just basically splashing them with this cold water of like, well, these are the changes. Welcome to the new meta game. Yeah, and I feel like there's no there's yeah, no exactly. transition. There's just like a very sharp uh, change. I think having it on Monday and then it be effective on like Saturday. That's great. Because it gives people enough time to maybe pick up a different deck, while still not invalidating the tournaments of the upcoming weekend. But yeah, that's what I feel about it. Yeah, I disagree. I, I would I would like the, a little bit more time, but I see your point. Anyways, what are we up to next? <laughs> yeah, so I'm looking forward to coming to Europe in the summer. Now, I've actually been looking at flights, and uh, they're a little more expensive than I thought they'd be. But, point being, so... There are a few uh, legacy tournaments that happen in the summer uh, in Europe, I've heard. So oh, there's yeah. Prague Eternal, which I think is the weekend of June 6th. Um, it's something like that. It's I think it's the first or second weekend June, of June. June 12th to 13th of June. Oh, I have my own better. travel itinerary here. so Even better. 
So that's the one I'm looking forward to. And then, of course, there's that GP Lille. You know, might have heard of it. It's the it's the GP in France. I'm looking forward to that one. That one's the weekend of July 1st. Yeah, okay. And there's uh, also... I don't know, actually know of any others, uh, but there... I'm basically wanting to hit up as many in as little time as possible. just want to say, if you're going to Prague, which is... Have you been to Prague before? I have never been to Europe. Okay. So. <laughs> I highly, highly recommend Prague to anyone who likes magic, beer attractive women, good weather. Nice guys. Like, yeah, aside from the water, it's like a cheaper version of Miami in Europe. The um, water? What's wrong with the water? Well, there's no water. Sense. It's an inland. <laughs> it's uh, They only have rivers. Oh, um, oh okay. <laughs> so Prague, Prague is like the... Is, is, is known for a lot of people going there to party. Um, beer I've heard is, the nightlife is good. Is nightlife is amazing. Um... Yeah, some of my best magic moments have have been um, been there, and not all can be repeated here. So I I strongly recommend going to Prague Eternal if you have the opportunity. It's also hosted by some very good people, yeah, by Juicy um, in particular. And I had fun while I was there. I couldn't go the last time, but I was there the time before. Um, but to, to you, Matt, specifically, um, the weekend after Prague Eternal, there's GP Copenhagen Modern. Ah, uh, right. The format where junk is good. Therefore, where you I can don't want to play, play it. your siege rhinos. Yeah, but then everyone's doing it. Yeah, and like it's not and, as special. Mm, and if you talk to us really nicely, you can get in on the beach house that we have. All right, never mind. That's the one. I... So um, yeah, so that's up. But yeah, what um, Julian was um, was hinting to is that there's of course GP Lil, which will be the most important event of the summer for me. Um, partly because it's the biggest legacy event that's there and our dear friends from from Canada are coming um, shout out to everyone whose names I have forgotten um, and uh, Gabriel, yeah, Gabe Dion who is loud enough to be remembered who is somewhere on a boat most of the time who was recently uh, promoted yeah was recently promoted and is most of the time um, playing soldier somewhere on the waters for the Canadian Navy um, they will be coming, and everyone everyone will be there. And whenever everyone is there, good things happen, and it becomes a fest, a party. It becomes all about magic and friendship, and people will be going to to Lille for more than three three days. A lot of people for a week or for two weeks, and including you, Matt, will be staying for for a longer period of time. Um, yeah. And well, so I I took that opportunity and ran with it because. As everyone knows, I really like um, to play in high-level magic tournaments. I like the competitive nature of it. I like to play high rule enforcement levels with no take takebacks and silly stuff going on. I I really like to face good opposition and to get into like tight spots where I have an opportunity to, to outplay my opponent or I have to think really hard about stuff and when I fail to do that I learn something. Um, so I, I tried to create such an environment by hosting a tournament on Friday the 3rd of July in Lille, so it's in the same city but not the same location as the GP. Um, it's, a, it's a special tournament where it's 130 euro buy-in which is 200 bucks uh, it's no it's oh, uh, the euro Canadian. Do- yeah okay 200 Canadian and it's about 150 American um, to buy into this tournament and it's it's gonna be in a beautiful location 
it's going to be full of all the greatest players. Tuxedo um, mandatory? Absolutely not. Oh, whoa. Whoa. <laughs> whoa. Absolutely not. I um, actually wear man. But it's going to be a high-stakes tournament with Oof. awesome prizes. There's no Colored store. shirt mandatory, at least? Come on. Well, shirts are mandatory. Um, Colored shirt. There, there is a difference. No t-shirts. I know. I know exactly what you're saying. But okay. the point of this tournament is that there is only, like, more or less only me behind it and good guys helping me out, like Julian. Um, so there's no one having to make money out of it. So the point is that it, no one should make any money out of it, aside from the players, uh, particularly the ones that win. So it's going to be an opportunity to focus on the most important stuff, the playing. And we're just looking to make it a, the best possible event. And by the best possible event, I mean good seating, live streaming, massage girls, you know, all the stuff that we like. Alcohol? Um, it's probably going to... I have to look into the rules for... Um, sanctioned tournaments versus alcohol. Um, I don't know what's exactly what the rules are there. Um, well, I'm sure it'll work itself out. Yeah. Yeah. Hint. But... Hint. So, but but it's it's going to be um, a very competitive atmosphere, um, and I'm I'll be looking into doing everything that I possibly can to make players feel comfortable and happy. Um, so it's probably going to be the most challenging tournament to win um, that I've heard about so far. And by that I mean that even it, if it's, it is extremely impressive to win a Legacy GP. No doubt about it. But to win this event, you will have to face harder opposition. The, there will be a trophy, I hope, right? Obviously there will be a trophy. So this event is currently, currently called Ambitions and um, Right now, we have a Facebook page, and we have um, some all the background stuff uh, being set up, um, and there will be a link to it um, below this podcast. Um, we're currently whoa, talk- whoa, whoa! We're opening it up to anyone. This event is open to anyone who puts up the money. Okay, fine. But anyone who thinks he can make. I it. think every, yeah, she's. exactly. But just the buy-in alone, I feel, is going to be enough to to limit this to people who are serious about playing magic it's not gonna be the neighborhood kitchen table guys i'll bring my maple syrup money also um, to give people an idea of how big this is going to be so which kind of attendance are we looking at um we had a site that um ha- with room for 80 seated persons and this includes registration and sponsorships and we are looking for a bigger location now jeez pay to top eight or sorry Payout to top eight, or um, like roughly or? top ten percent. Top ten percent. Okay, I like. So that. It's similar to what you would see at a at a poker tournament tournament without drawing any further comparisons from now on to that, um, for all the obvious reasons, including taxation and the legality of playing for prizes in France. Um, and we are currently talking to some people who are interested in sponsoring us, um, but. Unfortunately, I have no public announcement about that yet. And as soon as that, the sponsorship side is is is, is settled, um, there will be the fi- the 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 final um, page and the pay what you call it, the pre registration will be set up, and yeah. there will be an official no- announcement on the source. But this will be the event to play on Friday. Absolutely. Excellent. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, me too. Me too. 
and it yeah, will looking be at the people who already signed up on Facebook, whoa, boy, that's like uh, what I would call some of the legacy elite of Europe. I mean, you have. I'm not going to go into names, but if you go to the page and you look at the pre-registration, pre you will recognize a lot of those people. Oh, let's, let's totally legacy. name drop some people. Okay, you go ahead. Yeah, so uh, obviously, ev yeah, everyone from Team Euroswag will be there. And in case you're wondering who these swaggers are with the stupid team name, it's of course, it's me and it's Julian and it's Mark Koenig, also known as Bada on Twitch. It's Philip Schoeniger, who debated the last two Legacy GPs. It's Thomas Vlatsek, who finished 11th at GP New Jersey and who top eight at um, Richmond and who went to the finals of two other large European legacy events uh, in last year. It's Michael Bond, who some people know. A Danish uh, ma magic player who is famous for many things, but also for winning uh, Star City Games event uh, in America and for top eighting um, uh, a legacy GP in Europe with Death, death and Taxes. Um, and we have uh, Jean-Marie Akar. I don't know if I'm pronouncing his, names correct, his name correctly. People call him John Mario Kart. John Mario Kart? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who is, in my opinion, one of the one of the best or uh, better legacy players in, in Europe and someone who I look uh, look up to also for his innova innovation. Yeah, what's his um, Magic Online account name again? Lee J. Yeah, he's Lee J on The Source, so everyone will know who that is. Elias Watzfeld is there, who is a known legacy player, uh, a known Magic player in, in, in most formats. And Johannes Gutbrot, who was already top mentioned, is going there. Um, oh, I'm just scrolling down there. And yeah, a couple of the, other names who are yeah, yeah, and all our legacy friends that we know, including Marcus. Um, yeah, many players will come. It'll be good. Yeah, it's it's like a bunch of my friends and people I I want to beat and people I feel challenged by playing. So I'm already happy about it. So yeah. So that's it. It's um, it's on Friday, and you need to be 3rd there. Third of July. Third of July, in Lille, in France, and it will be live stream via its Julian. Um, oh yeah, for sure. On Twitch, and the VODs will be up on itsjulian.com. And if you haven't yet, do go and check out Julian's page. It's awesome already. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> well, I don't know what else we can really talk about. Um, I still don't know what exactly you are playing right now in Legacy. Me? Matt. Yeah. Oh. Well, I'm still working on junk mid-range, junk blade, junk blade. normal junk. Uh, are you going to um, equip Better Skull to Siege Rhino? No, I've actually equipped a Sword of Fire Nice to Siege Rhino. With, uh... <laughs> that sounds like something in the Bible. Like it... <laughs> the, the beast, the behemoth that's going to destroy the earth. Putting, it's uh, putting... it's quite oh. good, in case you're wondering. <laughs> it's quite good. It has trample and protection and whoa. I want to be. I'm actually running uh, a larger Greens and Zenith package than I used to. I used to run a singleton Greens and Zenith. Uh, I've cut Dark Confidant. Oh, great! Um, <laughs> because if you're playing Siege Rhino, then flipping a Siege Rhino off a Dark Confidant is bad. Um, I've also cut Liliana because I still think she's she's honestly. I think people overrate her against Miracles because you basically just nuke half their lands, which is fine, but. More yeah, often than not, discarding cards from their hand doesn't matter because they have Snapcaster Mage, and they can play with no hand if they have top. Yeah, that's what what Philip keeps telling me as well. That Liliana is is good. It, like it's a card you don't want to see, but it's not taking over the entire game. 
it's you still lose two angels, even though you have Liliana. Unless you get it to, to ultimate really fast. And it's such a conditional answer to true nemesis. I think people are a little too high on Liliana to be like, yep, that's going to be my answer to true nemesis. And if they have another creature, I'm just boned. Like, yeah. I think that's a little... I think a little people are a little too all in on Liliana. So Siege Rhino gets around um, true nemesis, as does sort of Fire Nice. So I'm going to be running Uvamal Tracker again, so I can Rhino... like. <laughs> I can rhino uh, Delvers out of the sky, and then uh... fight bear. Mm. That's that's the fight club guy, you know. Yeah, yeah. We just called him you know, fight bear. Yeah, you can call him Tyler Durden. <laughs> but it's so long. I actually might start calling him Tyler Durden. Yeah, but if you want somebody called Tyler Durden, you should name Phyrexian War Beast, uh, Rage Beast, I think it's called. Because whenever something comes to the battlefield, it has to fight. If this is your first day on the battlefield, you have to fight. So I'm uh, I'm still kind of tuning that list because I'm not sure kind of where exactly where I want to be with uh, that. But with the junk Nickfit list that I've been uh, working on since the Treasure Cruise meta, I've been slowly tuning and tuning and tuning. And I've gone from four Siege Rhino in that deck down to three. I've cut uh, I've cut not cute things, but like you don't need four top in that deck, so I've cut to three top. I've kind of adjusted things, and I'm playing Diabolic Intent oh, in Legacy. Really? Yeah, I've seen that fact, last week in Nuremberg. <laughs> it's actually really good, because you need another... Sometimes you need extra Sackalits for your veteran explorers, and it tutors for important cards in certain matchups like Cranial Extraction or Cross and Grips that sometimes you just have one-ofs, and you're you're actively kind of looking for those cards. I've Or Pernicious Deed. Pernicious Deed is still that, yeah. really good in, in most matchups. Uh, and since you don't see a lot of combo, especially around here, um, four Thoughtseize, uh, Cranial Extraction... And two Gattachigs seem to be enough, but uh, we'll see. Siege Rhino is still really good against basically every Delver deck, Shardless Bug, Jund. Nobody can remove it, except with Swords to Plowshares, and then you just go for another one. <laughs> Most people actually have this thing of like, okay, you play the Siege Rhino, alright. And then they see another Siege Rhino, and they're like, oh, this is really bad. Oh, oh, okay, but you can't have any more Siege Rhinos. Like, if I remove these... I'm okay, right? And you're like, no, I'm, no, I've got more of them. And they're like, oh, this is terrible. So which are the kind of decks you really do not want to face with your new creation? I think you really don't want to face, like, say, goblin Charbelcher combo. Uh, you don't want to face Omnitel. It's not the greatest matchup um, because you don't have, like, Blast or anything like that. And you Miracles, I think, is a worse matchup than I think it is. I think I'm a little bit biased because the Miracles players I've played against maybe aren't, like, say, quote, the best Miracle players in the world. So, like, I think against Philip, like, maybe the deck is a little bit um, weak, for example. But I think it's still fine, because draining draining um, Miracles is still a good enough strategy, because if, if you can kind of stay in the game long enough to land a Sigarda or a Thrun, you might be able to still take the game. Mm -hmm. I, do you have any kind of secret text from the sideboard? Like, you mentioned cranial extraction did I hear that that one right that's correct so the uh, the old twenty dollar cranial extraction that has now turned into a less than dollar rare uh, is the card I've been playing so cranial extraction is basically for some of you who weren't playing back in 2004 is slaughter games but without the uncounterable claws and it costs three in black it's like memoricide as well basically the same yeah. thing and isn't it worth it to have like a single badlands new deck to, to cast it? Uh, well, that's actually box? what I've been toying with Thanks. is just to play slaughter games over the cranial extraction with okay. a singleton badlands. Okay. Slaughter games is just amazing, but sure, it's tricky on the mana base. It is, but I play uh, deathrite shamans as well, so so I think it, you, it might be. You could probably okay. do that in your deck because people are not gonna try to waste you out anyway because they know it's a losing battle. 
Yeah, and there are more tempting targets to wastelands, such as a bad, sorry, not a badlands, like a bayou that comes up earlier, or perhaps a Frexian tower, or a Volrath stronghold, or a Caracas, or something like that. Yeah, I always look for the for the stronghold most of the time. The stronghold is extremely good. I think a lot of people don't wasteland it because they're not exactly sure what it is. Mine's in <laughs> Korean, but okay. that might be part of it. But they just kind of go like, oh, Valrath Stronghold, sure, whatever. And then you're like, no, I'm actually going to recur Siege Rhino. And they're like, oh. oh, oh. Yeah, they should be oh. looking at it as in, so if this was like the Holiday Cube or whatever, what cards would I look for for my mana base or for my for my lands here? And so that's basically what, what Nick Fit is, in my opinion. It's like one of the better cube decks you could draft. Basically, yeah. So I've been so Slaughter Games or you know, Marmora Side or Cranial Extraction is really good against Miracles because a lot of times you actually only die to a few tricky cards. What are those cards? Chase the Mind Sculptor and Entreat the Angels. Entreat the Angels is handled by the fact that you run three Pernicity in the main deck, so you can just kind of set it and forget it. So you play Pernicity and you're like, well, you're never entreating the Angels ever again. And then you just get rid of Jace. Because Jace can be tough Sometimes you can't attack it. Um, you don't have any card except, say, like Maelstrom Pulse or something like that to kind of take care of it. So once you get rid of Jace and or Entreat the Angels, I would get rid of Jace first rather than Entreat the Angels as long as you have a um, a deed out. If you have could you kind been of disenchanted into Entreat the Angels? Um, I, I mean, I guess you can argue how many <laughs> wear tear do they have? Yeah. Are they bringing it in in this matchup, etc.? Uh, you obviously bring out Veteran Explorers in that matchup, and you bring in Carpet of Flowers, which is also an insane card that people undervalue. I also is, love is, it when they kept in the Explorers when you got the, like, turn two chase. <laughs> oh, man. That, that that does happen sometimes in game one, where you're like, well, this is the only way I need to progress this game, and then you just get blown out by exactly chase. <laughs> Has the value of uh, Carpet of Flowers changed um, as the metagame changed? Well, I think I think it was better before. Uh, because there were a lot more like blue-red Delver decks in the format, I think people have switched. However, there's still as many blue decks, yeah, so it's actually kind of nice, especially for like say junk mid-range where you don't have Veteran Explorer to kind of accelerate you. How you beat those Delver decks? It's a lot easier if you just go turn one Carpet of Flowers. I'm on the draw. Oops! Now I get to play Thoughtseize as well. Next turn, I'm accelerating into you know two two drops because their cards are basically worse than yours. Like, I mean, Tarmogoyf is better than Delver of Secrets as long as you can actually cast it out of day's range. Like, that. And there's also seem, there also seems to be a resurgence of, like, Rock or Thresh or whatever you want to call it, um, where you get more ramp again that stops their counters and stops their tempo in so many ways. Exactly. Like, if you're playing Deathrite Shaman and Carpet of Flowers, you're basically turning off their entire Stifle Wasteland plan, hopefully. I mean, their whole point is to kind of grind you into the dust with, like, Stifle, Wasteland, Bolt, your mana producer. But if you're, even if they're always kind of sitting on two lands, you've always got two mana of one color to deal with, which is something. That sort of ripples out into the rest of their deck, where they now have to force stuff that they could daze before, or that they could spell piece before, and now the force is going to be away, and their ability to protect whatever threat they jammed is is, is really um, less Diminished. Yeah, diminished. Yeah. So I think I think it's interesting for how mid-range is kind of going to form up in the new metagame. It definitely is better, though. Like, Him to Troc is definitely a card again. Uh, you definitely feel excited about wastelanding your opponent because you know that it's not just going to feel a treasure cruise that's going to kill you. You can actually out-attrition your opponents instead of, again, them coming back with treasure cruise. Mm. I'm, I'm looking forward to... Does, does uh, that mean that you play dumber magic, but in the sense that you now jam stuff and trade one for one? Where you before had to 
think about stuff more and be conscious about okay this is uh, like a minus ev move right now and i have to win in this shorter time span does it buy you more time do you play differently now that treasure cruise isn't there uh, I think you can play. I think there's still strategy in when to wasteland, how to wasteland, instead of not wastelanding, either not wastelanding at all or doing poor wastelands just to try and get some value out of it. I think you do have to play a little bit differently. I think because maybe the deck is a little bit better, that you maybe you should always play at your best. So that's not to say like you just play dumber magic. You're playing fairer magic, and the fairer magic is now better as opposed to being much worse when you had to just either switch decks or play a completely different strategy. Yeah, because I, w- I would think before, due to them being able to draw a bunch more cards, you would have to be more aggressive and push it more, because if you just stall into the long, into the to the late game, where your deck normally flourishes, they will have drawn 9 or 11 or 15 more cards than you. Yeah, it's, it, it was much tougher. Um, I wasn't winning a lot with junk midrange in the... Uh, in the Treasure Cruise metagame, because you could push as much as you wanted to. Sometimes you just get countered and stall out, and then they just come back and beat you. Exactly. Okay, so I guess, um, especially since you talked a lot about the current metagame right now, um, I think it would be very good for anyone who kind of feels lost right now as in what to play in Legacy to just give out your personal recommendations to somebody who doesn't really have a deck built or either could maybe even just build any deck in Legacy but doesn't really know what to play. Um, which one or two decks would you recommend to anybody who thinks he's got the play skill to maybe not m- immediately master but play at a proficient level? Um, yeah, which kind of decks would you recommend to play right now? Except for what you maybe are personally playing right now. I would, I would say Storm Combo. Or Storm and if combo? It, yeah, Storm Combo, and if not that, Omnitel. Oh, I yeah. think Omnitel is very good right now. I agree. Yeah, I think um, I kind of had another deck in mind, but now that you mention it, especially Omnitel because it gets around Containment Priest, is, and is you have Dig Through Time. Strong. I think yeah, any deck with Dig Through Time right now is really good because none of the decks have Treasure Crews. So if you're if you can look at the top seven, hey, go for it. So if I had to list a couple of decks that I think that people should be playing or at least try out. Number one, I think Omnitel is also a good choice. Uh, number two, Miracles, but that's I mean that's maybe not as much of an offbeat choice to kind of mention. And I still think Canadian Threshold is still a really good deck. It definitely yeah. came back. Yeah, it, it, it it's back, and even if you're not, even if it's not a recommendation to play it, it's an alert to be aware that it is back. And certainly, if you're playing in a in a larger event, you should be prepared to face this deck. I agree. Yeah. All right, so we do we want to uh, wrap up? I just wanted to thank uh, Julian and Felix for being on today and able to cast. You're welcome. Oh, a pleasure. And uh, it was nice to see everybody. And if you guys have any comments, uh, please comment or ask questions. Or if you liked having Felix on and want to hear from him again, you know, that'd be good. I enjoyed this. This was good. Nice to have a discussion with the European metagame. Uh, any last kind of closing thoughts, uh, Felix and Julian? It was nice being here. Um, it was a good experience. Hopefully I'll have something clever to say if I'm ever brought back. <laughs> um, for me, uh, I don't know. Just go out and play Legacy. For my area where I live in, Legacy is flourishing right now. We've got, we even have Friday Night Magic Legacies, which is something pretty much unheard of. So, yeah. Go out, play Legacy, and I just want to say go out and play Legacy and have fun. Because that's the only way you will improve over time. 
This yeah. is so awkward because I don't know how to stop this. <laughs> it's okay, but it's, uh, I would also like to say this. It's a whole new world. So, Treasure Cruise has been banned. I think the deck choices have opened up. If people have been maybe squeamish about trying Legacy during the Treasure Cruise format because of the of how good your deck needed to be to compete, I think now the options are a little bit more open. We're in a time of flux. Try something Try something new, try some tech, try something different. Yeah, and this is the uh, the perfect time for uh, Rafael Levy to come back and play Legacy at an event being, and then be asked about how he feels it's changed over time and say, oh, it's exactly like I played the last time in 2010. <laughs> <laughs> Feedback is always appreciated. Email us at everydayeternalcast at gmail.com. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash everydayeternalpodcast. Or follow us on Twitter at eternalmtg.com.